three, two, one. Oh my goodness. Good morning. Good afternoon. Whatever it is for you, I hope you're having a fantastic day. My name is Zach Schaumler. This is Strong Opinion Sports. It, I, I'll be honest, that felt horribly loud and weird. I'm in a new room. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's different. It's weird. I don't know if I'm fully comfortable here yet, but it's, it's hot. It's smoky. God, it's miserably hot. And uh, I'm in a new place. So I'm, I'm really excited. It was a long weekend. It was a long weekend of moving. Moving all my crap, figuring everything uh, out. I haven't shaved. If you look at my face, you probably can't tell. I just got peach fuzz. Um, and I am now an uncle. So thank you. I, I, I appreciate your patience. I'm so sorry that it took so long uh, to get this done. It's just been, you know, between moving and my nephew being born, all kinds of stuff. Um, it's, it's, been, oh, it's been a long, long weekend since last time we talked. Um, I guess, first, I want to say this. If you've never held a newborn, this is not related to sports, but it's just a cool moment. You know, it's funny. It was pretty life changing. Two years ago, I had this attitude that I said I would never, ever have kids. I was totally against it. And about a year ago in the last year, I said, oh, I, I might have kids someday. That'd be pretty cool. And holding that, you know, that newborn baby was like the I, I just can't even it made me want to have kids. It, it made me excited to be a dad someday. It was it was awesome. So I, I highly recommend that. Um, and it's going to be one of the hardest things that I'll ever do in my life, but probably uh, just as much rewarding. I want to, st- I want to talk about this, you know, let's talk about sports. Um, I want to talk about Nick Saban. I saw this story that just, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know where to begin, dude. I, by the way, it is so hot. I, I don't know that you can, if you watch, look at, look, if you're listening on iTunes, go watch this video on SoundCloud on a uh, YouTube. I'm just already sweating. I've been, I've been doing this for like two minutes and it's so hot. It is gosh, it's unbelievable. So I want, I want to talk about this first though. An anonymous college football coach said that Alabama's head football coach, Nick Saban, is overrated. So an anonymous football coach was talking about Nick Saban, and he said Nick Saban is overrated. He said this. This anonymous football coach said, if you had a number one recruiting class in the country every year, you would win just like Nick Saban. Basically, he came out and said Nick Saban is a great recruiter, but he's not a great football coach. And what he said was, he said, Nick Saban's overrated as a football coach. Nick Saban is not as good at the X's and O's. And when someone says Nick Saban is not a great football coach, they'll say he's a great recruiter, not a great coach. I, I respond to that going, that is one of the most idiotic things I could think of. How out of touch do you have to be? That anonymous coach needs to accept reality. Reality is this, part of being a football coach, sorry, excuse me, part of being a college football coach is recruiting. You need to be good at recruiting in order to be a successful college football coach. That's how it works. Like, hello, are you there? Do you understand? I don't, I don't know how you, I, I, it's one of the weirder quotes I've heard in a long time, and, and people are agreeing with him. That's what's more funny to me is people are agreeing with this guy. There are people that have been asking me, they'll message me, they'll say, don't you think Nick Saban's overrated? He has a great recruiting class. Yeah, but Nick Saban's not overrated. He's the best recruiter in college football history. That's how it works. You have to learn how to deal with the system. In college, I just started college again. I'm at Washington State University, and uh, there's a program I have to use. It's a program called Top Hat. And it sucks. I have, to pay ni- I have to pay $90 tomorrow so that I can check in and, and get points for my attendance in class. Do you know how stupid that is? It's, it's a stupid, dumb thing. It sucks. Top Hat sucks. It's a terrible system. But you have to use it. That's the system. And it's better just accept reality. Do the best you can. Nick Saban has accepted the reality of college football, which is if you're a great recruiter, you will win a lot. In fact, if you're the best recruiter in the nation, you'll win a national championship most years. This is the third year in a row Nick Saban has been ranked number one in the nation by the AP poll at the beginning of the season. You just got to accept reality. I I don't know. Man, I don't know what to tell this guy. Here's the thing. This anonymous football coach probably knows football really well. Like X's and O's, you know, uh, clearly he's good at tackling whatever. He's, He's really good. He understands the game of football. This anonymous coach that criticized Nick Saban. However, I doubt he's a great recruiter because if this guy was a great recruiter, he would respect what Nick Saban has done. Again, I repeat, Nick Saban is the best recruiter ever in the history of college football. And that is why he's such a great college football coach. Part of coaching in college is recruiting. Look, 
Anyone who says a guy, Nick Saban, has won six national championships is not a great coach. I, I don't know even how to have a conversation with you. That, that's idiotic. That's just stupid. I get here, here. So I want to make a comparison. What if Nick Saban didn't win six national championships? What if he had the number one recruiting class in the nation year in, year out, and he didn't win at all? Then it would make sense. Then you could criticize Nick Saban. But he had the best recruiting class most years, and he usually wins. You know who's not a great X's and O's guy? You know who's a guy that doesn't know football really well? There's a TV show called Last Chance U. It's the best football show, in my opinion, ever made. Uh, In season three of Last Chance U, they go to Independence, Kansas. And they deal with a head coach named Jason Brown. I I like him. I'm a fan of the guy. I think he's an interesting character. He's really great to watch on television. How about that? And he's an amazing recruiter. Jason Brown of Independence Community College is a fantastic, wonderful recruiter. Best recruiter in JUCO. But he's not a great X's and O's guy. He's not a guy that knows the game of football really well. He just knows how to get really great guys onto the field. They did not win the national championship. Because in one game, they got outcoached flat out. And that's, I, I'm very curious to see, does Jason Brown ever win a national championship? I don't know. He'll have the, the best recruiting class every year. But I, you have to have some idea of football in order to win games. It's, you can't call Nick Saban overrated. It's just ridiculous. You've got to accept reality. Nick Saban has won six national championships in college football. To say he's not a great college football coach, to say he's not even the best ever is silly, but to call him overrated is just ridiculous. Nick Saban is the best college football coach ever. And that's because he understands the part of the job, which is recruiting. Nick Saban knows, if I want to win games, I got to be a great recruiter. Don't fault a guy for using the system. If you hate the system, that's fine. But you're free to leave. <laughs> if that anonymous coach doesn't like how college football works, he's free to go. Go to a different school that doesn't use top hat. Or go, if, if you like football, go coach in the NFL. Where it's not about recruiting. It's about X's and O's. It's a pretty level playing field. Yeah, Portland State University will never beat Alabama because Alabama has better football players. And that's how college football works. If you don't like it, leave. All right. Uh, we have a great show today. I'm really excited. I, I settled in. See, see, it took me a minute. It took me... It's just weird. The first time you record a video in, in a new room, it's just, you know, there's people outside. They're listening to you. It's weird. It's, I don't know. I don't know, man. But we have a great show. We're going to talk about the Cleveland Browns today. I am very concerned for the Cleveland Browns. It's, a, it's an interesting take. It's, it's one I haven't heard at all. I mean, clearly, I, I'm, I'm really excited to show the Cleveland Browns take. We're going to talk about Baker Mayfield. Should Baker Mayfield play? I really wrestled with Sam Darnold. I was trying to decide, should Sam Darnold be the starting quarterback week one or not? I have an opinion. I have an, I've decided why and what he should do and why. And I'll tell you about that in a minute. We're going to talk about Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman shared his frustrations about the NFL recently. We're going to talk about Patrick Mahomes. We're going to talk about LeBron James and the media's stupidity, the NBA media, the NBA writers. God, just mm, sticks in my craw. It drives me nuts. We're going to talk about why. I'm going to tell you why I believe Tom Brady's better than Aaron Rodgers. I know Aaron Rodgers is incredibly talented, but later in the show, I'm going to touch on that. We're going to talk about the Teddy Bridgewater trade. We're going to talk about Giants fans. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the show everywhere you can find podcasts, and you can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast. See, I'm, I'm dead serious. Please help me like, grow. We... Uh, We're up to a ton of listeners. It's really cool. Continue to share this podcast with your friends. Tell them about it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Share this podcast with your friends. Help us grow. Uh, Help me grow. There's nobody else here. I mean, it's just me in a room talking to myself. So I'm I'm really concerned about the Cleveland Browns. I want to first tell you what I'm not concerned about. So I read a report the other day. I read a report the other day that the Cleveland Browns defensive coordinator, Greg Williams, and the Browns offensive coordinator... Todd Haley got into a heated exchange quote. That's the word, heated exchange. They yelled at each other after Baker Mayfield was hit and knocked to the ground in practice. That's, that's really what happened. And so the Browns coaches were yelling at each other. And some of the media people re- freaked out. Oh, no. Um, I wanted to mention this briefly because I thought it was a silly, silly thing for people to get caught up on. This doesn't matter. I, I'm not concerned by the Browns coaches yelling at each other at all. This happens all the time in football. Would you like it to happen? No, you don't, you don't look forward to that. But every football team I ever played for had some kind of disagreement with coaches at some point during the season. That happens all the time. 
It's two competitive dudes yelling at each other. They're competitive. They want to win. Oh, what? You can't handle yelling? I mean, this is the NFL. I don't know. But I do want to talk about one thing that does actually really legitimately concern me. And the Cleveland Browns, before I get into all this, I want to say I hope I'm wrong about everything I'm about to say. I hope I'm dead, dead wrong. But I believe the Cleveland Browns have unhelpful expectations. So I went through something this summer. I went through a couple big disappointments. I tried to transfer from Washington State University to Montana State University. And I wasn't able to complete the transfer. It, it didn't work out. I couldn't make it work. And that, that was really disappointing. I also briefly had a girlfriend this summer. And I really liked her. I liked her family. And she's a great girl. Nothing, nothing wrong with her. It, it just We were just in different places. I have nothing bad to say about her. But when, when that relationship ended, I was extremely disappointed. And disappointment is something that's really, really hard to deal with. Trust me, I'm coming from experience. And let me tell you, I wouldn't have started dating somebody if I thought it was going to end. But it was a slow build to get your hopes up. And again, I make this entire point to say, sometimes we have unhelpful expectations. We have expectations that, that can hurt us. And, and when that happens, it leads to disappointment. And disappointment is really hard to deal with. I believe the Cleveland Browns have unhelpful expectations. And I believe the Cleveland Browns might be getting ahead of themselves just a little bit. That's my fear. I, I want to be very careful with my words. I've said unhelpful expectations. I did not say unrealistic expectations. I was very careful there. Unhelpful and unrealistic are different. Because I, I believe the Cleveland Browns could win eight, maybe nine games this year. I do think that could happen. I think it's, it's very possible for the Cleveland Browns to be in the playoff hunt. Now, that's like their max best season to be right in the bubble is close, but that, that's, that's entirely possible. They could be a, a team in the hunt on the bubble for the playoffs. But I want to make a prediction. I, I, the Browns will not be in the playoff hunt. Do you know why? Do you know why the Cleveland Browns will not be in the playoff hunt? The Browns have unhelpful expectations. The Browns have every reason to be optimistic. I, I want to first say this. They have a bunch of new players. They have a new quarterback, Terod Taylor. They, they, have a, they have two new quarterbacks. They have Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick. But I think their expectations are a little too high. I was on a team like this in college, actually, my freshman year of college. I went and played football at Lewis and Clark College. You can look it up. Uh, if you Google it, you'll find a terrible, ugly picture of me with long, giant hair. And this team was, they, they, we had a new coach. And we had a bunch of new recruits. And we had a new transfer quarterback. A bunch of money put into the program. Lewis and Clark College was, we were really excited. We had our hopes up. We thought we were going to build something. And when the season started, we got creamed. We just got murdered. And our, our excitement, our high hopes, turned into disappointment. We had unhelpful expectations. Lewis and Clark football, my freshman year, we had unhelpful expectations. We were a bunch of freshmen starting against 23-year-old seniors. And the thing is, nobody told me year one that was going to happen. Nobody said, hey, you might get destroyed. We thought we were going to win some games and build something. And nobody told us, we're going to get creamed. And we got discouraged we were disappointed because we had unhelpful expectations. Look, it's so hard to stay positive when your girlfriend breaks up with you. When you're disappointed. And I don't think the Browns have talked about this at all. I don't think the Browns have once considered, hey, we might struggle. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't seem to me like that's something that's on their radar. So when the Browns start their season and they're not winning a bunch of games... I wonder how they're going to deal with it. That's my fear. Because I don't know that the leadership is in place for the Browns to handle disappointment, to handle discouragement, to handle their unhelpful expectations not coming through. I think it's pretty reasonable to doubt Todd Haley, Hugh Jackson, Greg Williams, the defensive coordinator. I do believe in John Dorsey, the general manager. If, if anybody gets fired, sorry, if anybody stays, so the first person to get fired will be Hugh Jackson. But the, the person I don't think will get fired, no matter what happens this year, is the new general manager, John Dorsey. But I want to say, if you expect steak for dinner, you're going to be disappointed when somebody brings you a ham sandwich. You expect steak, and they bring a ham sandwich. Even if you like ham, ham sandwiches, you're not going to be overwhelmingly excited. You're like, man, I wanted some Kobe beef. I wanted some steak. 
In the last two seasons, the Browns are 1-31. and 31. <laughs> They won one game in two years. Let me tell you, the Browns have not even been eating a ham sandwich. The Browns have been eating baked beans for two years every night for dinner. You would think the Cleveland Browns would be excited. We've been eating beans for two years. We're going to finally have a ham sandwich. But the Browns, I think, are thinking about steak. I think the Browns' focus is, we're going to have steak. And when they get a ham sandwich, they're not going to appreciate it like they probably could. I think the Browns could go 6-10, and 5-11, and 11, which is a, a massive improvement over 0-16. Remember how bad last year was? A six-win game, a six-win season for the Browns is awesome. That's fantastic. But there, there are two perspectives you can take. You can have an optimistic six-win season, or you can have a, an incredibly disappointed six-win season. A six-win season filled of just sadness and and disappointment. I I hope I'm wrong. I hope the Browns have helpful expectations, um, but I don't know that they do. And I think the Browns, if the Browns have unhelpful expectations, if the Browns have expectations that are too high, they could win, an, they could lose another two games. The Browns could lose two more games potentially because they're discouraged, because they're upset, and because they won't know how to handle the loss, handle the disappointment. Again, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm dead wrong. I'm rooting for the Browns. I think they're going to be, they're, they're the most interesting team to me this fall. I'm so excited to watch the Browns. Um, but I'm, I'm just trying to be caring of Browns fans. Manage your expectations. 6-10 and 10 is a great improvement over 0-16. 5-11 is even not that bad. You went 0-16 last year. Manage your expectations. Stop ex- expecting steak. Aim for the ham sandwich, and you might get something a little better. Maybe you'll get bacon on the sandwich. I don't know. But you're not going to get steak. You're not going to get... The Browns will not have an 11-win season. It's not going to happen. And if you expect that, you're going to be sorely disappointed and you're going to be discouraged and the Browns will lose two more games because of it. That's, I don't know, it's my fear. I, just, I think the Browns might have unhelpful expectations this fall. I want to stay on the Browns briefly. I want to talk about Baker Mayfield. I really hope Baker Mayfield doesn't play this fall. I, I, really, I really hope Baker Mayfield does not play at all this football season. Look, he looks great. Baker Mayfield in the preseason looks fantastic. He looks comfortable in the pocket. He looks he looks great moving around. In fact, he kind of he does look like Drew Brees. It's, I know they're because they're smaller or what it is, but they do look very similar. But remember, Baker Mayfield looks good in the preseason. Baker Mayfield is supposed to look good in the preseason. If I arm wrestle a six year old, I should win every single time, because that's the expectation. You know, what, you know what's scary to me is, is Blake Bortles is struggling in the preseason. That's really bad. <laughs> what that means is Blake Bortles is losing to a six-year-old in an arm wrestling match. <laughs> that's not good. But Baker Mayfield looks fine. He, he's meeting expectations, and that's great. But I don't want to overreact. I so badly want Baker Mayfield to succeed. I, lo- I love Baker Mayfield's story. I love the guy. He seems like a good guy. He does. I, I also, I'm a sh- I was a short quarterback growing up. Played in college for one year. And Baker Mayfield represents other short quarterbacks like I was that were told you're too small, you're not going to make it. He was a number one overall pick, and he was told he was too small, couldn't get a scholarship. That, that's awesome. I want Baker Mayfield to succeed. But I really hope the Browns are patient. I hope the Browns take their time. It, it just can't hurt Baker Mayfield at all. It can't hurt Baker Mayfield to not play immediately. Now, I do think it's going to happen. I, I do think the Browns are going to be patient. And that's because if you look at the history of their general manager, John Dorsey, it indicates that he will indeed be patient. John Dorsey, remember, John Dorsey drafted Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers didn't play at all his first year. John Dorsey went on to draft Patrick Mahomes for the Kansas City Chiefs. And Patrick Mahomes didn't play at all until week 17 last year. So if we look look at the past, John Dorsey likes to be patient with rookie quarterbacks. And that... That's awesome. That's what I want to hear. That's what I, that's what I want to see. And not, not only has he been patient and done it before, he's been patient and been successful. Aaron Rodgers worked out, <clears throat> worked out. Aaron Rodgers was a massive, massive success. I don't know that Patrick Mahomes is a success yet, but he looks like he will be. The, the Chiefs chose him. It looks like he will be a success. Their new quarterback, Tyrod Taylor, is 
a solid professional. I like him. And I just hope the Browns sit Baker Mayfield. Give him a year to learn, get in the, get, learn how to be a professional, watch Tyrod Taylor, do what Tyrod Taylor does. And I just hope the Browns are extremely patient with Baker Mayfield. I've seen Browns quarterbacks fail too many times to watch a guy I'm rooting for, Baker Mayfield, fail. I would be so heartbroken if Baker Mayfield didn't work out in the NFL. It, it just would be sad to me because, A, it's the Browns. The Browns need to pick me up. And I love Baker Mayfield, the marriage of two things I'm rooting for. They're both little engines that could, that haven't before, but we both want them to succeed. I really hope Baker Mayfield succeeds, and I think he will benefit tremendously if they don't play him. Now, the problem with what I just said, you know, I did a whole, I wish I'd given more reasons. What's the reason I want Baker Mayfield to play? I want him to develop. I want Baker Mayfield to learn. There's just, I don't have a deeper reason than that. Look, he looks ready to play. He looks great. But remember, it's the preseason. Like, uh, how much weight is, do we, do we really give the preseason too much weight? It's like arm wrestling a six-year-old. Just give it time. I've seen it happen. I've seen rookie quarterbacks for the Browns screwed up too many times to, uh, to see Baker Mayfield get screwed up. I want to now talk about Sam Darnold. The New York Jets drafted Sam Darnold with the number three overall pick in the 2018 draft. And I believe in Sam Darnold. I strongly believe in Sam Darnold. I think he's the next big thing in the NFL. I love the guy. But I had this weird internal struggle recently. In the last week, I had this weird internal struggle. And I just questioned, you know, should the Jets play Sam Darnold immediately? I just had this internal struggle. Should the Jets play Sam Darnold week one? I don't know. I went back and forth. At first, I thought yes. And I'm going to tell you why I thought yes. I'll make that point too. And then I'll explain why I think that's wrong. So if you look at Sam Darnold and Josh McCown, the quarterback for the Jets, it appears that the two of them are tied. The old veteran and Sam Darnold. They're on the same plane. They're they're both kind of equals. And growing up in college and in school, every time you have an underclassman, a young guy, and an older guy tied, some coaches believe that the tie should go to the upperclassmen. I've, I've always thought that was stupid. You should give the, if, if the old upperclassmen, if the sophomore and the senior are tied, go with the sophomore because you get more years to develop him. Who's going to have, who has a higher ceiling? The young guy, because you can develop him for two years rather than just getting one year out of the senior. So, uh, you might want to get as much time with the young guy as possible. That makes sense. So maybe play Sam Darnold immediately. But that's not a perfect analogy because you remember college and the NFL are very different. High school and the NFL, they're very different. In the NFL, you're dealing with 10, 15-year careers. And in high school, it's three years, four years max. Um, Three years, if you play your freshman year on varsity, four years. I mean, that's not a lot. But also you think about it. Okay, well, if Sam Darnold starts week one, by week 13, he's going to be really good. If Josh McCown starts week one, by week 13, he's not going to be any better. So Sam Darnold has a higher ceiling. Sam Darnold has more room to improve than Josh McCown. So that, that makes sense. That's an argument. Maybe you should start Sam Darnold. Here's what really, really kind of tempts fate. This, this is what really tempts me into playing Sam Darnold week one. I learned by doing. I worked on my car all summer. I learned a bunch. I changed my starter. I, I did a bunch of stuff to my car. I did the work myself. I learned by doing. Now, my buddy was over my shoulder, kind of guiding the way, answering my questions, telling me when I screwed up. But I I did it with my hands. I was the one turning the screwdriver. I was the one turning the wrench, pulling the starter out of the car, figuring out how to jiggle it out. So if my buddy had done the work, if my buddy was the one pulling out my starter, turning the wrench, I would have learned a lot less if I was watching because I was doing the work. I, I learned way more. So it makes sense to me. I would want Sam Darnold on the football field this fall because Sam Darnold can learn by doing he's going to learn more by getting on hands experience and he has the older brother Josh McCown over his shoulder giving him giving him advice kind of guiding the way telling him when he screws up making good decisions bad decisions that makes sense to me Sam Darnold's on the field he's going to learn as much as humanly possible now here's where this really ramps up because now we have to include Teddy Bridgewater where does Teddy Bridgewater fit into all of this? Now, now, remember, Teddy Bridgewater was once considered a franchise quarterback. And then Teddy Bridgewater got hurt, and we never really gave him a fair shot. 
We've never really seen the talent that Teddy Bridgewater, the other Jets quarterback, has. We think he could be a franchise quarterback. We don't know. We do know that the Jets drafted Sam Darnold, so that's the guy they chose. But Teddy Bridgewater could play really well. Here's what I would do if I was a New York Jets. I would keep Teddy Bridgewater. There's, there's rumors that the Jets are going to trade, trade uh, Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater. There are rumors they're going to trade him, get what they can for him, get, a, you know, get a, a young pick. I would forego the trade. I would not. I would not trade Teddy Bridgewater. Because if you trade quarterback Teddy Bridgewater from the Jets, what are you going to get? Not offensive lineman? I mean, the offensive line is, is important. Don't get me wrong. But it's more important to have the best quarterback situation possible. If Teddy Bridgewater can help Sam Darnold, or if he can be the starter himself, I'm not going to get rid of him. I wouldn't. I wouldn't get greedy if I'm the Jets. you got to set your priorities on the quarterback position. That's more important. So I I would start Teddy Bridgewater. I'd start Teddy Bridgewater all season, uh, at least until Sam Darnold can beat him out. Until Sam Darnold is objectively better than Teddy Bridgewater, I'd leave Sam Darnold on the bench. I'd make Sam Darnold earn the starting spot. Here's what that'll do. The first thing that'll do is it'll be good for Sam. Sam will develop because he's got to have to challenge himself and push himself to beat Teddy Bridgewater. But the second thing that will do is it will earn Sam Darnold. Sam Darnold will be able to earn the respect of the Jets locker room if he beats out Teddy Bridgewater. If they hand him the job, great. If he earns it, beats out Teddy Bridgewater, that'll do more for the locker room. Also, you know, the other thing is that the Jets have to ask themselves, what narrative do they want to tell about Sam Darnold? What narrative do the Jets want to surround Sam Darnold with? Because there's many options. One option is that the Jets sit Sam Darnold and start Teddy Bridgewater. And if the team is losing, Teddy Bridgewater is the starter. The team is losing games. It's not working. You put in Sam Darnold, and then, A, maybe they get better. Maybe they win. But even if if the Jets put in Sam Darnold week six after losing a bunch with Teddy Bridgewater, if Sam Darnold loses, it doesn't matter because the team sucks. It won't be Sam Darnold's fault. The expectations are lowered. If the Jets start Sam Darnold from the get-go, if the Jets make Sam Darnold the starter week one and the Jets lose, that severely complicates things in a really negative way for both the Jets and Sam Darnold. Because then people are going to wonder, is Teddy Bridgewater the guy? Should Teddy Bridgewater play? And the narrative around Sam Darnold will become, oh, he's a loser. He, can't, he doesn't have it. And, and here's the thing. Even if the Jets start Teddy Bridgewater and they win some games, Sam Darnold still could beat him out. And then, guess what? The locker room will still... Believe in him, because if you beat out the guy, it doesn't matter. The team knows. The locker room will know. Oh, Sam Darnold's a better quarterback. He earned the spot. He's playing better. He's our guy. But it's really important for Sam Darnold to have the support of the Jets locker room. Now, a lot of that's on Sam, who he is, how he carries himself, yada, yada. But you can help the narrative by allowing him to beat out Teddy Bridgewater. I would keep Teddy Bridgewater. If I'm the Jets, I would not trade him. I would use Teddy Bridgewater as a tool to develop Sam Darnold. And remember, the Jets can create a narrative that Sam Darnold is the hero saving the season or the one bright spot on their season. If they start him from the get-go and they lose a bunch, that's not good. If they don't start him week one, they bring him in week six after losing six games or three games or four games or five games, then Sam Darnold's the hero. And even if they don't have a great winning season, he's the bright spot. He's the good thing. Set the expectations for Sam Darnold there, that he's going to help week six and save the season. Sam Darnold is the best quarterback in last year's draft class. He's my favorite. I've met him. I've shook his hand. I believe in him. He's unbelievable. And I really hope the Jets handle this situation properly. I don't know. I'm just a guy in a room saying some stuff. I could be dead wrong, but that's what I would do. I would keep Teddy Bridgewater. I'd use him to push Sam Darnold. Regardless, I'm rooting for the Jets. I'm rooting for Sam Darnold, and I really hope Sam succeeds. All right. Uh, I'm going to take a short break. When I return, I'm going to talk about Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman has made uh, a bunch of interesting comments about the NFL. We're going to talk about that. We're going to revisit Patrick Mahomes. We're going to talk about LeBron James, who's the MVP frontrunner. I'll talk about why that is 
That's ridiculous. The NBA media is <laughs> so stupid. I'm going to talk about the Rockets general manager, Daryl Morey, who said that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. Now, it's not interesting to, I don't want to have the LeBron James, Michael Jordan debate. I'm tired of that. But I do want to talk about why would Daryl Morey say that? Why would the Rockets general manager say that? We'll find out. I think Tom Brady's better than Aaron Rodgers. We'll get into that. We'll talk about a potential Teddy, Teddy Bridgewater trade. Who should trade for Teddy Bridgewater? We'll talk about Giants fans. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, and on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as my best, most interesting clips. If you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about the show. My name is Zach Schaumler. I will be right God dang, it's so hot. It is so, so hot in here. Um, in case you missed it, Richard Sherman came out the other day and was highly critical of the new NFL contact rule. He does not like the new tackling rules in the NFL. Richard Sherman said that they are impossible. Now, hey, I want to say I understand why Richard Sherman is upset. I, I get it. I totally understand Richard Sherman's frustration. The NFL changed their rules. And, and they not only changed the rules, they went through it. They changed them in a massive way. Defensive battles are now basically lost. We used to have you know, a running back, or sorry, a receiver and a, a corner would run down the field together, and it was a fair fight. Now it's not a fair fight. The rules have shifted towards wide receivers. Richard Sherman's job has not only been devalued, the rules have been changed to make Richard Sherman's job nearly impossible. Again, I totally understand. In college, all the time, I run into, rule, into rules that are unfair and they're set up for you to fail. It's frustrating. It stinks. And, and look, Richard Sherman's right. He's critical of the rules. He, he makes every point. I, I, I totally agree with everything Richard Sherman says. However, <laughs> you knew that was coming. I still think that the NFL rule changes were right. The NFL's new contact rule is the right step, is a step in the right direction. See, the NFL changing the rules made many, so many people angry. Look, I don't even like the new rules, but I can acknowledge they're the right business move. If you're the NFL, by changing the new rules, you made the right business decision. So first, because of the new rules, scoring is going to go up. And when scoring goes up, viewership will go up and the NFL will make more money. But the second thought is this. The second one that I think honestly is more important is that big hits on wide receivers are now gone. They're going to be eliminated. It'll be slow at first. At first, you'll see a bunch of penalties and flags, and this year's going to be really messy. But eight years from now, we're just going to hit differently. <laughs> Football's going to change and evolve. And the truth is, the NFL does not care about Richard Sherman. They don't. The NFL's bigger concerns. At first, they got to make money. The NFL's a business. But the other thing the NFL's concerned about, that, that's why they don't really care at all what Richard Sherman says, is... 30 years from now, the NFL wants to still exist. See, 30 years from now, as science evolves and the world gets more progressive, public opinion on hitting in football really is going to matter. Are moms going to let their kids play? Am I going to let my kids play? That's an interesting question. A problem, like if my kids want to, they can play. I'm not going to force them to play. That's how I feel. But if public concerns and, and public opinion around the NFL and around hitting in football doesn't change and get better, the NFL could be facing... A, a significant, not just, maybe not, they wouldn't lose everything, they wouldn't be gone forever, but they could severely diminish if they don't keep their, their goodwill going. Again, mom's not letting their kids play. That could happen. Legislation could change. That'd be really a, a bad thing for the NFL. So the NFL needs to keep on everybody's good side by changing the rules and making them safer. I get it. I don't, I don't really like it either. I like football the way it's been my whole life. But the NFL is playing a long game. A game I respect. It, even if I don't like the rule, it's, I can acknowledge it's the right business move. The NFL is willing to take a hit now. They're willing to make their fans angry for the longevity of the league. Because they want to exist 30 years from now. So even though Richard Sherman's mad, even though people on Twitter are mad, which people on Twitter are always mad, it doesn't matter what you do. None of that matters because it's a long-term move for the benefit of the NFL in 30 years from now. That's why I actually support the NFL's new rule changes and why I think guys like Richard Sherman, they're going to complain all they want, but the NFL doesn't care. It's not their job. Their job is to make money 
and to remain exist in existence. And that's what they're doing. And they're, they're doing everything they can to keep the program going. I want to talk about Patrick Mahomes. Patrick Mahomes was a first-round draft pick by the Kansas City Chiefs two years ago. He's now appears to be their starting quarterback. And, uh, man, Patrick Mahomes is just a, a freak of nature. He had a play the other day. He threw the ball 70 yards in the air for a touchdown. And, and I read that that pass, Patrick Mahomes touched down in the preseason, a 70-yard pass in the air, traveled farther than any other ball. That pass traveled more yards in the air than any other pass on all of last season. <laughs> That's ridiculous. That's Patrick Mahomes' arm strength at work. He's, he's unbelievable. And I took a chance a, a couple podcasts ago, and I said that Patrick Mahomes would work out. I said he was the right decision. I said he was a calculated risk for Andy Reid and the Kansas City Chiefs. And I will never, ever throw a prediction in anybody's face. I will, I will never, ever do that because I'm wrong just as often as I'm right. Look, I throw out my opinions. Sometimes I'm right. Sometimes I'm wrong. But I don't even think that I could do that here. People are, people are already ready to believe Patrick Mahomes is the guy. Did you see that pass, that 70-yard pass? Don't get ahead of yourself. Patrick Mahomes' amazing touchdown pass was awesome. It was evidence that people who believe in him could be right. But that's all it was. It was evidence. We don't know for sure yet. We'd like to. I, I hope my prediction's right. But we don't know yet. Look, Patrick Mahomes is exciting. He's, I, I believe he's going to light up the NFL. I really do. Remember, remember, Texas Tech, Cliff Kingsbury, the head coach at Texas Tech, liked Patrick Mahomes more than Davis Webb, an NFL quarterback, and more than Baker Mayfield, the number one overall pick in the draft. Patrick Mahomes is a, a freak of nature. But we got to lower our expectations just a little bit. I got a comment I want to talk about. A guy named Charlie Rogers Dude, I love your comment. It was fantastic. And uh, he, he started, he asked first. He said, do you trust Andy Reid? I do. I do trust Andy Reid. I think he's a great coach. I believe in him, especially in his ability to work with quarterbacks. But uh, he continued the quote and he said, there was a comment. And Charlie Rogers said, if Andy Reid can't figure it out with Patrick Mahomes, he should be fired. Yeah, I agree with that as well. I, I do. Now, I, I personally think Andy Reid will succeed. We should never get there. But Andy Reid's great with quarterbacks. Andy Reid should be able to mold a guy like Patrick Mahomes into a winning quarterback. If he can't, he can't do it with anybody. Because Patrick Mahomes has so much natural ability. And I think he's got the work ethic thing down too. I think he actually understands. He seems mature for his age. He turned down endorsements last year. He didn't want to distract the team away from Alex Smith. If Andy Reid, for some reason, can't mold Patrick Mahomes into a franchise quarterback everybody's just in trouble. That, that, that's horrible. That'd be, it's horrifying. I want to say the last final thing that Charlie said, that he made a great point in this comment, um, and, I, and I hope Chiefs fans can acknowledge it. He said that, you know, Patrick Mahomes potentially could be as good as Brett Favre. Potentially. But you got to temper your expectations. I, I, here's my opinion. I would give Patrick Mahomes time. Be patient. Patrick Mahomes has every reason to be successful. Great coach, great roster. He's sat on the bench for a year. But it might take another year. I, I've made a prediction. He's going to light up the NFL. It might take another year. It might not be now. Be willing to have some patience. And also, be willing to go through ugly moments. I think Patrick Mahomes is going to be really a flashy guy. He's going to be a guy that throws the ball 70 yards in the air for touchdowns and then two plays later throws a bonehead, ridiculous interception. That's what Patrick Mahomes is going to bring. He's, he's the reincarnation of Brett Favre. Bonehead mistakes and everything. It's just going to be ugly sometimes. He's learning. He's young. It's going to be a lot of high highs and low lows. He's not a precision quarterback. But he's, man, he's a freak of nature. He's going to be unbelievable. So I'm excited. I think Patrick Mahomes is absolutely a home run in the NFL. I think he's fantastic. And eventually, eventually Patrick Mahomes will shred the NFL. Eventually. But for now... Be patient, relax, and uh, let him take his time. Just bring your expectations down a little bit. That, maybe that's the theme of this podcast. I want you to have helpful expectations. That's all I seem to do every week. I just manage your expectations. This is too high. This is too low. Don't overreact. You should be excited about this, that. Can we just have reasonable, normal expectations? It's not that hard.
I want to I want to talk about LeBron next. I'm really excited for this. Um, this is the <laughs> this is the one that I, I'm actually most fired up about. It's not the most popular because it's it's August. It's football season. But I uh, I heard something while I was on break. I actually took a vacation recently. I went camping for like a week. Uh, you guys know that. You remember what happened. Um, but I uh, when I got back, I was I'm driving home and I heard this quote that just drove me nuts. I'm gonna drink water first, but then I want to get into that quote because LeBron James. Water first. So I, uh, I saw a commenter recently say this. Saw some 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 sports host or somebody. I can't remember who it was. I saw a comment recently though that said this year LeBron James is the NBA MVP front runner. And I just want to say the NBA MVP is so stupid. It is so, so stupid. And I, I want to prove to you the gap in logic, the clear bad thought process. There's just, there's no consistency with the NBA MVP ever. It's pretty, I, I have no idea what to expect. So two years ago, Russell Westbrook won the NBA MVP. People loved his stats. People loved Russell Westbrook's stats. They said Russell Westbrook averaged a triple-double. His stats are unbelievable. We've never seen anything like that before. It was all about stats. Russell Westbrook won the MVP because of his stats. And I said, oh, I understand. I get it. Okay, that's how this works. That's how the NBA MVP works. Apparently, if you have the best stats, you win. Cool. All right. That's, they're setting the tone. And then last season, LeBron James had incredible stats. And we gave the MVP to James Harden. That's weird. I don't understand that. Oh, the people who decide the NBA MVP, they moved the finish line. <laughs> they changed the rules. People were saying James Harden is the NBA MVP because he's the best player on the best team. What? How, when did that happen? Because last year was about stats. Then the next year it was about the best player, best team. That's weird. That's not consistent, is it? Oh, and let's talk about stats, by the way. LeBron James last year had far better stats than James Harden. LeBron shot 54% shooting. James Harden only 45%. They had a creepily weird identical three-point percentage. They both shot 36.7%. Oh, and uh, LeBron James had more points. He played, he had over 100 more assists. He had over 300 more rebounds. Oh, and by the way, LeBron James played in all 82 games last season and Took his team all the way to the NBA Finals. Oh, but James Harden. James Harden was the most valuable player on his team. Come on. So, I really want to point out. First, it was all about stats. And then it was all about best player, best team. And now LeBron James is the NBA MVP frontrunner. What does that even mean anymore? What is it about? Why is LeBron the frontrunner? Look, I love LeBron. I, I think he's the greatest basketball player ever. But LeBron James does not play on the best team this next year. He plays on the Lakers. And they're going to be a, a probably a fourth or fifth seed in the West. And I can pretty much guarantee LeBron James is not going to average a triple-double next year. And this is why I get annoyed at NBA writers. This is where the lack of consistency just drives me nuts. It angers me, actually. It's a popularity contest. There's no clear definition for NBA most valuable player. Every year, we just move the finish line to wherever we want it to be to fit the narrative people want. The NBA writers predetermine who their MVP will be. It might be subconscious, but writers, what they do is they think about, hmm, who is the best story? If this guy wins the NBA, who, who is the best story to win the NBA MVP? Two years ago, it was Russell Westbrook. This Last year, it was James Harden. Apparently, this year, the best story now is LeBron James. It's a conflict of interest. Who votes on the NBA's most valuable player? Oh, the NBA writers, the people writing all the articles, getting clicks on their videos and their picture on their articles, everything. It's a conflict of interest. Look, I understand why it happens. I get it. You got to make money. You got to drive traffic. But every year, the NBA writers puff up a new star. They move the finish line. There's no consistency. There's no rules. I just, I can't, it's the stupidest award ever. I don't get it. Make a 
some kind of rubric or something, something I can follow. Look, I understand why, again, I get why this happens. The reason why the NBA works this way is because, look, it makes more money. If they puff up a new star every year, James Harden, Giannis probably someday, or Russell Westbrook, building new stars into the program is great. But if we're honest about it, the most valuable player every year since he's entered the league has been LeBron James. I don't know how you can disagree with that. And that, that's, that's inherently what drives me nuts. The NBA MVP is just a sham. It's stupid. It's, it's a conflict of interest. There's no semblance of consistency, and it makes no sense. I can never follow it. I can never understand. It just drives me absolutely nuts. Ugh. All right. So Daryl Morey, the Rockets general manager, said the other day that LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. And he said it's by a, a large margin. He said LeBron James not even close. <sighs> People got really silly about this. They thought really small. You know, they, they went off and everybody decided to turn it into a, a LeBron James versus Michael Jordan debate. I'll, I'll be honest. I'm so sick of talking about LeBron James versus Michael Jordan. LeBron James' career isn't even over. So, like, can we just... yeah. Uh, for like six months, can we just wait? Can we can we at least, at the very least, can we not talk about LeBron versus Michael Jordan until February? Like, there's no reason. There's no reason to bring it up at all. But here's what is so silly. This is the opinion I haven't heard at all, is everyone's thinking so small. Everyone's so, they're just, they're using it as a way to say their argument again for why they think Michael Jordan is the best basketball player or LeBron is the best basketball player. I would encourage everybody, think bigger. How about we think outside the box? Why would Daryl Morey say anything like that? Why would, he, why would he go there? Here's why. LeBron James is someone you want to flatter. If I'm, if I'm the Rockets general manager, I'm going to play LeBron James and the Lakers. And I'm going to play the Golden State Warriors. It's a battle for the West. Daryl Morey, the Rockets general manager, wants to flatter LeBron James. It's in his best interest. That's why this whole story is so silly. Of course, Daryl Morey has to say, LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time. He has to say that. Because you know what he can't say? He can't be honest. If, if he does think it's Michael Jordan, he can't ever say it. Until LeBron James is out of the league. You know why? Because you got to play LeBron James. And you, the last thing you want to do, the, the last storyline you want to read about the Rockets is that their general manager said Michael Jordan is the greatest basketball player of all time and offending LeBron James. Because you don't want to piss off LeBron James. Look, the last thing I want to do is piss off anybody I'm competing with. But especially LeBron James. Do not anger LeBron, the king. You know, you know what LeBron James has tattooed on his back? I saw this the other day and I was like, are you serious? LeBron James has chosen one tattooed on his, his shoulder blades. Do you know any other human in the world that could get away with having chosen one tattooed on their back? No, only LeBron James, because LeBron James is basically, oh yeah, he actually is the chosen one. No one's talked about that. No one said Daryl Morey has to say LeBron James is the greatest basketball player of all time because you got to flatter him. You can't piss off LeBron. That's all I want to say. It just, these silly people think so small. All they use it as was a platform to say their opinion about LeBron versus MJ. Guys, come on. There's so much better out there. Okay, I, uh, in a minute, I want to talk about why Tom Brady is better than Aaron Rodgers. I'm going to talk about the Teddy Bridgewater trade. I'm going to talk about Giants fans and why I think they're constantly overreacting. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube as well as <clears throat> my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about Strong Opinion Sports on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. Something in my throat. It's hot. There's smoke everywhere. I'm going to die. It's, it's really ridiculous. Um, <clears throat> I want to talk about uh, Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. <clears throat> I have a, uh, a belief that Tom Brady is a better quarterback than Aaron Rodgers. So first I want to address Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers is incredibly talented. Nobody can deny that. But Tom Brady has been to eight Super Bowls. He had, he's won five of them. In contrast, Aaron Rodgers has only won one Super Bowl. Now, people say, some people have told me this recently. They've commented this or they've asked me this or said this to me on Instagram. They'll say, you know, Aaron Rodgers 
is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's the GOAT. People say GOAT too much. Ugh. But uh, I will agree. Aaron Rodgers is the most talented quarterback ever. His arm strength, his ability to throw the football, unmatched, unbelievable. Tom Brady's the most, sorry, excuse me, Aaron Rodgers, most talented quarterback ever to play the football game, ever to play football. It's unbelievable. But I want to be very careful. Talent doesn't mean greatness. Being talented doesn't necessarily mean you're great. doesn't mean you're the greatest of all time. Look, I'm not saying Aaron Rodgers isn't great. But I want to tell you a story. I have a good friend. Uh, she's an engineer. She's the president of her engineering program. This girl is 21 years old. And she's built a bionic lung for Stanford. And she works for NASA. She's unbelievably accomplished. And she's 21 years old. She's gorgeous, too. It's, it's pretty crazy. But she's not the most talented engineer I've ever met. And she even will tell you. She'll say, I'm not the most talented engineer. See, other engineers, they pick things up faster than her. They're better at math. They're more talented. There are other engineers who are more talented than this girl, who's been incredibly successful. But they underachieve. They get B's in their classes. She's going to be valedictorian. My friend's awesome. My friend gets to campus at 5.30 in the morning. And from 5.30 in the morning to her first class at 8 a.m., she's in the library preparing and getting ready and studying. And when class gets out at 4 o'clock, 4 p.m., from 4 p.m. to 7 p.m., she's in the library again, studying, doing homework. That's a 13, sometimes 14-hour day. So I want to ask you, who's the better engineer, the talented guy who gets B's or my friend who works for NASA and is going to be valedictorian and sacrifices all of her dang time? <clears throat> she's a better engineer. She's the greatest engineer I've ever met and might ever meet. No joke, unbelievable. But she's not the most talented. She's not. And Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's not the most talented. Because talent doesn't actually mean greatness. It doesn't. Even if Aaron Rodgers wins another Super Bowl, Tom Brady's won five. Five Super Bowls. Aaron Rodgers only has one. We overcorrect. You know, we, we say that, you know, Aaron Rodgers is, it's none of his fault. His team just sucks. He has no help. It's really the truth is he's probably underachieved a little bit as well. It's a lot of team. It's also him. And then we overcorrect with Tom Brady. We say, Tom Brady has all the help in the world. He only wins Super Bowls because he plays for the Patriots. The truth is probably somewhere in the middle, like most things, like politics, like most things. Usually it's, hmm, the answer somewhere, not one extreme or the other. It's somewhere in the middle. That's usually what happens. And with Aaron Rodgers, I, I just want to ask, Why? Why is Tom Brady more successful than Aaron Rodgers? The obvious answer, again, is, well, Tom Brady plays in a better organization, better coach, better roster every year. Fine, that's fair. But there's more than just talent here. There's more than what, what's behind the scenes we don't know. Here's what I do know about Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. Tom Brady has great people skills. I'll, I'll tell you wh why I think that in a minute. But first, Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers has been criticized repeatedly in the past and people have said they didn't like him Aaron Rodgers has had teammates come out and say we didn't like Aaron we didn't get along with Aaron kind of aloof not great nobody nobody has ever said that about Tom Brady nothing but great things have been said about Tom Brady's personality in fact James Harrison James Harrison is a legendary Pittsburgh Steeler played there for years once upon a time, James Harrison left the Pittsburgh Steelers and went to the New England Patriots. And remember the history behind this. Tom Brady and the Patriots would beat the Steelers year after year after year. James Harrison has every reason to hate Tom Brady. Because Tom Brady is the reason, often, he didn't go to the Super Bowl. And James Harrison, he got to New England. He got to the Patriots organization and he said, I wanted to hate Tom Brady and I just couldn't. Tom Brady was nice to me. Of course he was nice to me, right? But then James Harrison recalls, as I watched Tom Brady operate, he treated everybody the same. Towel boy, ball boy, water boy, star left tackle, star wide receiver, head coach. Doesn't matter who you are. Tom Brady would invest in the person. He knew their name, knew a little bit about their lives. He might be an introvert, but he cared about people. 
We never know. The, the key point of this is we never know what's happening behind the scenes. I know my friend gets to school at 5.30 in the morning. She doesn't leave until 7 p.m. It's a 13 and a half hour day. And what I do know about Aaron Rodgers is that Aaron Rodgers has underachieved. And I don't know why. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers has not had more people want to play with him. I don't know why Aaron Rodgers has had trouble getting a good defense. But I know that Tom Brady has always found a way to get the pieces around him. And whether you attribute that to people skills, organization, I don't know. But there's, it, we're, we might be underselling it a little bit. The, the answer might be a little bit more Aaron Rodgers' fault than we're giving him credit for. Aaron Rodgers has underachieved. And it could be possible. It could maybe be possible that some of that could be his fault. So many ifs and buts and so maybe could be possible that some of the reason why Aaron Rodgers has underachieved is because it's his fault. Another thing I want to say, the final thing I'll say, why another reason why I believe Tom Brady's better than Aaron Rodgers and the greatest quarterback of all time. Martellus Bennett played tight end for the Patriots for years. Then he went on to play with the Green Bay Packers and Aaron Rodgers. He's played with both Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. You know who he says is better? You know who he says is more fun to play with? Sorry, easier to play with. Said Aaron Rodgers is a talent no one's ever seen. He can throw the ball in ways and places you'll never see again in your entire life. But Martellus Bennett also said that he thought Tom Brady was easier to play with. Tom Brady is more precise. Tom Brady is, he follows the system. He gets the ball easier in your play. Aaron Rodgers runs around, throws hard throws. It's difficult. It's easier to play with Tom Brady, who gets you the ball on time in the right spot so only you can catch it. Aaron Rodgers does that too, but it's not as, not as pretty. So if you ask me, talent does not mean greatness. So when you, people say Aaron Rodgers is the real greatest quarterback of all time, look what he's done with so little. He won one Super Bowl, never had any help. He's got the best arm ever. That's great. Talent is awesome. And he's, a, he's, a, he's an all-time quarterback. I'm not discounting that. He's won a Super Bowl. That's crazy. But remember, Joe Flacco won a Super Bowl. <laughs> and Trent Dilfer won a Super Bowl. Tom Brady has five. Ben to eight. Success. Stats. Everything you want. And there's, talent's not enough. Talent is not enough to be great. Ask my friend who's an engineer. There are better engineers out there that are smarter than her. She's the best because she gets it. It's more than just talent. That's all I want to say. I think Tom Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. We have two things left I want to talk about. Briefly, I want to touch on the Teddy Bridgewater trade. So there is a potential trade uh, between the Jets and anybody who wants Teddy Bridgewater. And if I'm the Jets, first of all, I would not trade Teddy Bridgewater. I think you can use Teddy Bridgewater to help Sam Darnold develop, so I personally wouldn't trade him. But I want to, okay, who, if they were to trade him, if the Jets were to trade away Teddy Bridgewater, did I say Tom? I meant Teddy Bridgewater. If I said Tom Brady, I don't know why I said that. Um, But who would want Teddy Bridgewater? I think the Giants should want Teddy Bridgewater because they don't have a quarterback. Eli Manning's trash. But they're not going to do that. They're the, the rival New York team. What's a realistic landing spot for Teddy Bridgewater? It's the Cincinnati Bengals and I think the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Two teams that are, have questionable quarterbacks. Here's why the Bengals should trade for Teddy Bridgewater. Andy Dalton is fine. Nothing's wrong with Andy Dalton. But he's fine. And he's not going to get better. We've been waiting for Andy Dalton to get better for years, and it hasn't happened. They've hit a ceiling. And they should shake it up. It's kind of at the point with the Bengals. Change or die. If you don't change something, you're going to get fired. And I, I would move on from Andy Dalton if I was the Cincinnati Bengals. Change something, please. Teddy Bridgewater might be better than Andy Dalton. You don't know. But you know what Andy Dalton is. You don't know what Teddy Bridgewater is. I would trade for Teddy Bridgewater if I was the Bengals. Why, why should the Tampa Bay Buccaneers trade for Teddy Bridgewater? Yeah, James Winston. Yeah, Jameis Winston is the benchmark of reliability, huh? No. <laughs> no. On the field, off the field, it's ugly. He's all over the place. If I'm the Buccaneers, I would go trade for Teddy Bridgewater. It's a low price. It's really not bad. For a guy who two years ago, three, three years ago, a couple years ago, was considered a franchise quarterback, the price is significantly low. An offensive lineman, maybe a second-round pick, something like that. One of the two of those, not both. And the reason why I would trade for Teddy Bridgewater right now, I wouldn't wait, is because the price is low. 
If Teddy Bridgewater starts the first five weeks for the Jets and plays lights out, price goes up even more. I wouldn't do it. I'd trade for Teddy Bridgewater now. It's unknown. You don't really know what he is. But if you're the Buccaneers or the Bengals, you know what you have, and what you have isn't great. And at least this could be. There's a chance it could be an upgrade. And I'll take a chance at an upgrade rather than the boring thing I know that isn't very good. So I think the Buccaneers and the Bengals should both try to make a trade happen for Teddy Bridgewater. Okay, last topic of the day. I'm settling in. I, mean, I am. It's been weird. That, you know, recording a new room. Again, it just messes with your head. It's weird. Chris next door is listening to me. I don't know, I don't know Chris. I don't know anything about him. <laughs> um, I want to talk about Giants fans. Oh, it's so hot. It is so hot in here. That's the other the other factor here is that I'm sweating everywhere except for my face. Thank goodness. It's so hot. And I can't open the window because there's smoke from Canada and California. You go outside and it's like Mordor where I live. It's just awful. It's it's like, oh man. I didn't know I got into the Lord of the Rings, but apparently smoke everywhere. So the Giants fans. I guess really the, the way I want to start this is I want to tell you a story. We all know the guy who pushes boundaries. Some guy, he asks you for a ride home, and then halfway home, he'll go, hey, can we stop at the store? I need to, I need to buy some eggs or milk or some, something weird. I don't know, beer probably. And then after you stop at the store, you're being nice, so fine, I'll take you to the store. Halfway home from the store, he goes, can you take me to Taco Bell? I want some food. We just got, whatever, take him there. You finally get him home, right? And the point of that is, he doesn't know when to stop. He... You give him an inch, he takes a mile. That's where that quote comes from. I'll, t- I'll give you a ride home. And then he takes advantage of it and takes it way too far and takes it way farther than you ever intended it to go. So I want to extend an olive branch to New York Giants fans. I want to give you an inch. And I'm, I'm asking you, don't take a mile. Don't. But I'm going to give you a little bit. I'm going, to, I'm going to say some positive stuff about you finally. I want to point out the Giants got better this offseason. I think people think I hate the Giants or I'm rooting against them. I think the Giants made a massive mistake when they passed on Sam Darnold. I think it was a bonehead move. But I don't hate the Giants. I want them to succeed. Inherently, I want everybody to succeed because I love everybody to watch my show to be happy all the time instead of angry about me saying something I don't like. But I want to point out the Giants made solid improvements. They upgraded their team. The Giants are a better team this season than they were last year. Firstly, they got healthy. But they added a franchise running back, Saquon Barkley. That's great. They added a left tackle, Nate Solder. That's awesome. Odell Beckham Jr. is healthy. Basically, their entire wide receiving core was injured. Defensive players were injured. A lot of people are back. The Giants improved. They're a better team. Their future's better off. They got a better head coach. I'm excited for the future of the Giants. The problem is the Giants have Eli Manning. And Eli Manning's washed up and old and not very good. Oh, and their defense is still dysfunctional. Is Eli Apple still on the roster? Yes. So I'm not going to say the Giants are in good shape, but they're not. I, fair enough. Like I've heard enough crap for weeks. Fair enough. Fine, I'll admit. The Giants have improved. I don't like Eli Manning. I don't like Eli Apple, but they're not the worst team in the NFL. I don't like, Sam, I don't like, <laughs> I don't like Eli Manning. I don't like passing on Sam Darnold. You should have had him, but I don't know. I, 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 Giants fans are just, they're taking things too far. They are you, The NFL gave them an inch, and they'd taken a mile. The Giants did improve. Great. But they're not going to win the Super Bowl. They're not going to make the playoffs this year. They have a new coach. They're building their roster. Eight and eight would be a good season for the Giants. You don't expect a beard to grow overnight. Look at this. This weird peach fuzz I have. It's not going to turn into a giant beard tomorrow because it takes time. It takes time to go from the number two overall pick to winning a Super Bowl. You don't add a running back, a left tackle, get Odell Beckham back, and then suddenly win a Super Bowl. Giants fans, if you believe that, you're absurd. It's too far. Just bring it down a notch. Eight and eight. Try to make the playoffs. You're on the bubble. Don't talk about Super Bowl if you're a Giants fan. The Giants did get better, though. I want to give them credit. I, I feel like I'm too negative on them all the time. The Giants did get better. But I gave you an inch. Don't take a mile, please. You improved. Not that much. I swear to God, the top comment on that little breakout will be, Giants Super Bowl 2018. 
Every time. Every <laughs> uh, remember, this is Strong Opinion Sports. My name is Zach Schaumler. You can subscribe on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. You can find the full entire hour-long podcast on YouTube, as well as my best, most interesting clips. Tell your friends about this podcast if you like Strong Opinion Sports as much as I do. Help, your, help me grow the show by telling your friends about it. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, everything. Tell your friends about this podcast. Help me grow. Um, <clears throat> I didn't look at the camera very much. I felt I feel off. I feel like I'm, I'm just strangely close to the camera today. I don't know why, um, but I'll, I'll deal with it. I'll do better next time. Also, just everything's so close in here. It's just small. It just you know, I, don't, I don't I don't like it. But we'll get better eventually. The room will figure itself out and we'll we'll settle in. Um, but just thank you so much, man. This this podcast is my passion. It's my favorite thing in the world. And uh, I'm so grateful you guys watch and tune in and listen. It just means the world to me. So I will be back on Wednesday. The show will go out earlier. I already have a lot of stuff prepared for Wednesday's podcast. I, I, it was first day of school today. I moved, had a bunch of crap I had to deal with, but I will get the show out earlier on Wednesday. And I just want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Hope you have a great day. And uh, ba-dum, bum, bam, we are done. <clears throat> Thank you so much for tuning in. I really appreciate it. Remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube, basically anywhere you can find a podcast. And the other thing, you, you can really help me by growing this show. You can help me grow the show by telling your friends about this podcast. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is, help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this podcast. My name is Zach Schaumler. Thank you so much, and have a great day. Thank you so much for watching this video. It means a lot to me. Uh, remember, you can subscribe to Strong Opinion Sports on iTunes, on SoundCloud, on YouTube. Basically, everywhere you can find a podcast, you can find Strong Opinion Sports. And if you really want to help me grow this podcast, tell your friends about this show. Share it on Facebook, on Twitter, Instagram, whatever it is. Help me grow Strong Opinion Sports by telling your friends about this podcast. Thank you so much. My name is Zach Schaumler, and uh, have a great day. Bye.